it's Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Lessons So Far. Oh, so many lessons. I feel like this series could potentially go on forever. It won't. Uh, But thank you for all of the feedback that you're giving. If something particularly strikes a chord with you, you know you can always share it with others. I love when people screenshot episodes and write how it affected them and share it on their socials and tag me so I can see it and share it as well. It really um, makes a difference, especially when in (laughs) these sorts of episodes, I am, you know, sharing stuff that uh, sometimes I can definitely feel a little bit vulnerable, but here's what I've always known. And a mentor taught me years ago, actually, was that what's most personal is most general. So all of us are going through stuff, whatever it is, and getting a bit granular, like digging down into things, even although my experience isn't your experience, the more that we share about things at that, you know, personal level, Well, what I find over and over again is that is what like more people can relate to. It's the stuff that sits over the top that's interesting and helps us kind of, you know, we can have a a moment or two, but that deep connection, uh, that those deeper insights happen when we get personal. And for a long time, I hadn't really wanted to go there with all this stuff because I was in it. I was in the process of figuring myself out, you know, I mean, it really, and it's still, it's still ongoing, but I needed to get to the point where I actually really sat with myself and distilled a little bit of, of what's been happening and shared it from the most honest place that I could so that, we could have conversations at a different level. And uh, from your feedback, it has really helped me know that there is, there's a power in that. You know, if you hear parts that resonate with you, you can have actual shifts from that. Awareness is always the first step to change. And, you know, that's what we do in, you know, it's a a really important part of of the Ready for Change program. So I hope that you are getting <laughs> insights from this. Otherwise, you're just really <laughs> along for the ride of me sharing a bit of my life story. So today, the lesson that I want to talk about is attachment. And there's sort of, there were two different, <laughs> there's two different episodes on attachment because one attachment is the one I'll be talking about today. And the other attachment is uh, attachment theory. So uh, many of you would be aware of of attachment theory. This is not what I'm going to be going into with you today. In fact, I think um, I might bring an expert on to talk this through. I know when we bought 
the amazing Asaya Makimi into the Live the Change program, which is my six-month coaching program that sits behind Ready for Change. If you're a Ready for Change grad, you can get access to Live the Change. And she did an amazing uh, presentation for us about attachment theory. I found this a fascinating area to explore really fascinating uh, on so many different levels, really helps you understand the ways in which you relate to people. And it was something that Nick and I became very aware of in in our marriage. And on the other side of that, uh, there's been a much deeper exploration as (laughs) I, you know, found myself with someone with different attachment style to me and the way in which we're working towards more secure attachment with each other. It's a fascinating place to be and I'm glad I'm with someone who is willing to be on that journey because I certainly didn't want to stay in my old patterns of attachment. It's hard to shift. Anyway, let me, that's just, that is another, a whole other episode or series in itself. Today I wanted to talk about attachment, I guess kind of in the way that Buddha talks about attachment. And it's really a definition that I saw online was that attachment is a strong, uncontrollable desire that causes suffering because it steals our inner peace, serenity and freedom. And you know, Buddha said root, the root of all suffering is, is attachment. But there's this acknowledgement like that life is suffering, right? So it's not like trying to avoid suffering, but how like, you know, disease or, um, you know, things happen. We feel all sorts of, of emotions. But um, when we find ourselves attached like and unable to kind of detach it can just cause so much unnecessary suffering. So what I'm going to do in this episode is explain a little bit about where I was experiencing attachment and um, break down the three. Like, have you? So a lot of this I discovered that I was doing stuff um, and I'm actually going to read to you at the end the eightfold path that Buddha set out. But his Four Noble Truths uh, informs a lot of, well, you know, when you don't even realize that you're doing something. And then, you know, I was reading Four Noble Truths and it's like, oh gosh, this is the whole path that I feel like I've been on. But um, there's a breakdown of three different types of, of attachments, and I'm just going to talk through them because it provides a really clear way of exploring the different ways in which attachment was really affecting um, my life and then what helped me move through it, uh, what helped me. And uh, I've mentioned before um, in this series a little bit about attachment, but we're going to be going a bit deeper today. So I guess where I felt attachment was I was absolutely attached to the idea of, um, you know, Nick choosing sobriety above all else. Um, and 
and I was attached to the idea of our family staying together, really. Like our family, you know, thriving through this challenge. I was, there was an, a, a big attachment to that. And also, I was really attached to me being the solution to all of this, me finding ways, like me being the answer, <laughs> the savior of it all. There was all these different levels of attachment. Um, and I, I'm only going to be focusing on a few areas, but like, I mean, we're all, all of us in all the ways like we're so attached to healthy children or attached to the results we're getting in things or like there's just there's so many different ways in which this plays out so let me go into these these three three different areas um there's craving aversion and ignorance and when I look at these I can very very clearly see how I had attachment all, all those attachments. So the uh, the craving, that was really this, I mean, full-blown desire, um, this unquestioning of my marriage um, to Nick. Uh, absolutely also around his sobriety, and this idea of just desperately wanting things to work out, you know, I just, I didn't see that there was any other option, well, which is one of the other forms of attachment, which I'll just get to, but there was this, the the craving aspect is, you know, what are you, what are you desiring that's almost it almost becomes ridiculous. Like you're holding on to this idea of something. Uh, family success to me meant a marriage that lasted. And I ended up having to shift that and allow myself to detach from my idea, my story of what it meant to love someone in a new in and, and allow myself to see love evolve and be um, experienced in a new context. I had to I mean I had to let go of my this craving, this desire for his sobriety, this nothing else matters except his choice to stay sober and I will do whatever I need to do to make that happen. I mean, you can see the suffering that would be involved in something like that, like like wanting something so bad that you have absolutely no control over. Where in your life are you doing that? Where are you putting so much attachment on an outcome that you literally, <laughs> you're causing a suffering for yourself by being so attached and you actually have no control. What might it mean to, to let that go? So without a doubt, I was caught up in that style of attachment. 
I was attached to the way I thought my life was going to go, to a vision of the future. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how it, it could be any other way than Nick and I together, married, healthy, raising our children, living out our dreams, staying committed to the promises that we made to each other. I just, I was so attached that it ended up, I had this moment where I realised, whoa, I'm actually continuing to choose this and this is, and it's not healthy anymore. But I, it took me a long time to get there. So let me, let me talk about a version. So this is, you know, when we're trying not to feel um, unpleasant emotions. I absolutely felt a separation oh, from my life, kind of. Like there was this, this um, desperate attempt to ride the waves of emotion but not fully feel them because if I did, I would realise it wasn't working and I was attached to it working out, remember? So there was this, this absolute aversion to feeling fully the unpleasant feelings. And, and, and so I was living on the surface of my life. And I'd be talking about this a lot, like before he even had the, the diagnosis of, um, you know, an alcohol disorder. I just, I just, I couldn't fathom. I knew that there was a problem, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready. You know, there were times when I was really sad and very confused, but then a lot of the time I was just kind of getting on with life, you know, getting on with the vision that I was attached to without allowing myself to fully feel. That's why I talk a lot. Like there's so many clues for us about life and how it's happening in the present moment when we actually allow ourselves to feel what it is that we need to feel. It's why if you enter my programs, it's what I encourage. It's not about not feeling what we need to feel, but it's also not getting attached to being in a certain feeling for a long amount of time. Feel it, move it, get the clues from it. And then create space for something new. But I was sort of on the path of, this isn't happening. La, 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 la. I mean, I can remember when he was diagnosed as an alcoholic and I was like, no, no, surely not. Surely not. Surely we wouldn't um, ever be able to visit a winery again and do some wine tastings like normal people do or surely like I mean I found it hard to really go oh my god yep it's life has changed forever I mean I did 
and I didn't. And then the last type of attachment that that is in these the four noble truths and is ignorance. So this is like being um, unable to see just the nature of the world or yourself. So really just not acknowledging reality. <laughs> and that's that, you know, nothing nothing to see here. I I couldn't admit fully that it wasn't working. I couldn't admit fully that things had changed fundamentally and everyone was going to be better. if we actually just really fully acknowledged what was going on. And, you know, here's the thing. I feel like I started to go down that path, but then the person who I was with wasn't able to. So there was a deep um, denial going on Um, for, for both of us in the beginning and then and then as I started to really see this play out, uh, Nick still found it very, very hard to accept that he was going to have to live a fully sober life. And when that happens, there's literally nothing that anybody else can do. Uh, the decision has to be made by the individual. And... And I would say that's the thing that got in the way most of his recovery. And it was the thing that I would talk to, you know, the professionals who were helping him about and just just wishing it was another way but, you know, acknowledging that um, it was, that was his job to get to that place. And I thought he was there a few times and, you know, addiction is a bitch. It just really, really is. It just messes with you so bad. So so you can see here that, oh, you know, the whole um, the whole attachment thing, pretty strong. <laughs> Those three areas. And, I mean, you can just jump online and look at the Four Noble Truths and you'll see these breakdowns of craving, aversion and ignorance as different types of, of attachment, like the way it can play out and when I looked at them, I could, I absolutely saw myself in there. So what do we do about it? And I mean, bloody, don't ask me, Buddha lays it all out. But I thought I would share a little bit about the, the things that I started to do before I knew that, that Buddha had literally laid out a path for me. I started to do things that you can easily start doing. When it came to um, just lovingly detaching from certain things, I think the first thing that I started to do, and if you've been around a while, the um, the December that he was in a he was in a um, a rehab for five weeks. I think I, I mentioned this on an earlier episode, um, right before Christmas so all through December, and I did the 12 days of happiness instead of 12 days of um, 12 days of Christmas, I did the 12 days of happiness. 
And this was really this was really it for me. It was me starting to seek happiness outside of the context of my marriage. Nick's choices. Uh, it was me coming home to me. And if you have done my Back to You program, which you can get right now, we'll pop a link in the show notes, you can go and do that program. And, and that program, years before this stuff was fully going down, well, I mean, it, I, I had been doing the work and I created Back to You and launched it, obviously, if you listen to the story so far, when things were absolutely spiralling out of control. But it was all of those steps that I was taking, just coming back to, hang on, I need to think about myself here. Why aren't I on my own priority list? Why is everything on my to-do list for other people or to keep something afloat or to like as an output? Why am I always productive? You know, that's the over-functioning thing <laughs> that was in the previous episode as well. And, and I started to really just open up a dialogue with myself. I started to just think about literally what made me happy without context or reason, just Lisa. What were the things that brought me back into peace? My journey to find all of the good stuff in life started to become an inner experience. It started to become independent of what was going on around me. It started to become this curious exploration of like who I actually am. And it was gentle and it wasn't overnight, but it was helping me figure out, whoa, so if my happiness, my idea of success isn't wrapped up in things I can't control, it isn't wrapped up in how good my relationship is at the time, it isn't wrapped up in whether he's in relapse or sober, well, what is it? What, what is it then? And so began this beautiful journey of um, coming back to me. So go and get that program. It really does. It's really a beautiful starting point um, of, uh, of that and obviously ready for change, which we will be launching again in October. So uh, get ready for that is the, the fireworks that really took everything to a completely new level for me. But it really moving through and getting less attached to the things that was causing me suffering. And when I realized that that I could foster this with inside inside myself, that I had a reserve, that I had this relationship to work on with myself, when it came to when it came the time that Nick said, you know, he was going to be moving out and, and this was the way it was going to be. And I just, I guess I was glad I had been on that journey. 
I had been starting to lovingly detach from, but I mean, it's still, <laughs> as I explained, hurt like, oh, ugh, so much. But I knew I was going to be okay because I'd been in the process of dropping my attachment to him and his outcomes, to our family looking a certain way, to good, loving, being marriage with him. And, you know, there was one particular moment uh, that I remember, and I think I explained this on a previous episode. It's all a bit of a blur, all of these episodes now. <laughs> so much emotion in the story so far. Uh, but, you know, the other thing that helped was practicing this idea of letting go. Because I think if you're someone who is specifically attached to something working out, like you might be attached to your job, to the title or the role that you have and what it gives you to, to have that. And then it gets taken away and you you're absolutely lost that the the practice is really knowing that you are separate from all those things that you are a being an entity that exists and at different times you do different things you're with different people you're experiencing sometimes you're experiencing pain sometimes ecstatic joy and just not getting attached to anything being forever or you needing that to feel some sort of contentment, peace in your life, right? And I found letting go really just supersonically hard. Like how do, how do, how do you even do that if you feel like you're the person? Like the dialogue in my mind was like I, I can't because – what if? And what I realize now is that I never, I was never the person. I was a, I was kind of a sideshow, but I centered myself. I was always a sideshow. And and as I started to realize this, like I realized that uh, addiction was far more powerful than the love that he and I shared, which really, I mean, that really hurt. When I realized that uh, all the effort, I could put in uh, was worth actually nothing uh, if he didn't join the party. When I started to really let go of myself as the center of this storm and realize the storm was happening and I was witnessing, I started to feel 
weirdly more peaceful. I started to let go of the control, of the attachment to me being something here. Like me being some sort of solution. And as I as I witness myself parenting, I can absolutely see this playing out with my kids. You know, like we want to center ourselves in their lives and we have such an important role. But ultimately, we are a sideshow in their life. And it is absolutely okay for that to be the case and to find an unattached kind of place knowing that they will make choices. They get, like I make choices that my parents must think like, Lisa, what are you doing and why? Love of all things, why? <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. So let me just, let me just read out um, those two things helped, you know, finding happiness was started to become an inner experience. It's, it's something that I started to cultivate and, and happiness can, is my word, but it can mean whatever it is that you're sort of searching for, or that you feel like your attachments in life are, are causing you, you know, to feel, you know, not peaceful or not free. Um, and then, and then letting go, which (laughs) so hard, but really starting to look at, okay, now I'm, now I'm continuing to choose this now that I'm aware of it. Is that what I want to do? Or do I need to find ways to just lovingly detach here? So let me, in the Eightfold Path, which is, this is not, any my teaching at all uh this is all sort of this is the the last part um and it's all about the awakening sort of part and um yeah let me just read through these there's how many eight because it's the eightfold part so let me just read these i've just got these i just found let's look them up on the the internet so i had them here for you so the first one is right understanding so seeing your mind body and the world as they truly are so this is really big for me as someone who maybe put her head in the sand or maybe wasn't even of the planet as i was just kind of floating around ignorantly hoping that things would change denying what was real not being in touch with my body at all (laughs) at all not being able to listen to it not being able to honor it when it was tapping me on the shoulder saying hold up sister take a freaking break or hold up sister we need more pleasure where are you this doesn't feel good right intention so this is a commitment to cultivate the right attitudes 
And I think of this when I when I was looking at all this going, oh, my gosh, this is just, this is everything. This is what I feel like the women in Live the Change are working through. It's like this is where we get to choose how we approach things, right? A commitment to cultivate the right attitudes. It's like me choosing lockdown of fun for this what is now, you know, an extended lockdown period in Melbourne. But like remembering that we can commit to, you know, bringing a certain intention, a certain feeling to situations. We absolutely get that. And, you know, a commitment to cultivate the right attitudes when it came to the marriage, it was like, I'm not, I don't think that this is an ending. This is an evolution. This is not, this is not a failure. This is an evolution. This is just where our relationship is at right now. So much peace is like we have, we can choose the story, right? Number three is right to speech. So that's speaking truthfully, avoiding slander, gossip, offensive or abusive speech. I, I mean, I think our words are so powerful. I teach this in Live the Change. I think our words create our life and we should be very, very careful about the words that we use. But also, you know, this whole path to me coming to the point where I can just, you know, take off the mask or remove any anything in the way of of me standing in my truth as as a woman um i think is so important i don't want to talk over things i don't want to talk around i just i want to talk truthfully and thank you for witnessing that as i share these podcasts then there's right action so um you know that on this page it says refraining from crime murder overindulging in sensual pleasure Mm -hmm. behaving with peace and harmony so i would absolutely say that um uh harmony is my end goal in most things i like harmony i like the feeling of things feeling harmonious but where I am right now in my life is that I won't sweep things under the carpet to get it. I'll I'll look at stuff. I'll sit in stuff, um, and I'll have conversations instead of, you know, the that sort of ignorance level of attachment. Like this isn't happening. I don't want it to happen because I want harmony. And um, you know, the sensual pleasure thing. I think. I mean, I struggle with that <laughs> because I, I do absolutely think that there is enormous life force power in sensual pleasure. Um, I believe in it as an activator of good things. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all of relationships, but as someone who's one of my core love languages is um, physical touch for me it's always been a really important part of life uh, and growing me so yeah I'll, I'll work on that Buddha um, but right now especially through lockdowns let's just get the joy wherever we can get the joy <laughs> 
Um, maybe he's talking about it in more uh, nasty ways. Um, but for me, that part of life is uh, actually really important and actually put a lot of, um, well, I think if it's something that's important to you, you have to cultivate it, right? Anyway, um, number five is right livelihood. So this is just like don't live in ways that cause suffering. And for me personally with this business, especially everything I've been learning about um, privilege and, you know, what having a platform and sharing things, how that's received by now, you know, tens of thousands of people, sometimes during launches, you know, a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people see, might be invited to a webinar or something like that. And I'm really committed to learning more about how I can do no harm in my work. Um, And yet that's a big focus for me right now. Uh, And I just wanted to pop that in because I don't think in any other ways I am, you know, well, I think actually all of us right now are looking at ourselves and the way in which we live in the context of our climate and environmental degradation and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's an area. Still working on that one. Right effort. So this is um, cultivating skillful or wholesome qualities like compassion, kindness and wisdom as opposed to craving aversion and ignorance. So this is where he's really, you know, sort of, setting out, okay, if you are in attachment around those, the craving, aversion and ignorance areas, how about, how about cultivating compassion, kindness and wisdom instead? And I think that for me, that was very much begun with a journey with myself um, that I can extend to others. But I, th- I do believe we need to be <laughs> compassionate and kind to ourselves in order to recognise our own inner wisdom and make decisions based on intuition and that inner guidance, that, you know, gut nudge. Um, and then when we do, it's so much easier to live, I mean, when we are our own best guide. But that takes a lot of practice. And for someone like me, you know, I was, I was caught up in a, in a long time of, of all of those attachments, of my whole focus being on, you know, the outcomes that I wanted to see, that I didn't have any room I didn't have any room. I wasn't at all, you know, developing that, cultivating that within myself. And any of my programs that you would join, anything that you would see is really about that, that journey back. Like, hold on. It's all inside. All the answers are actually within you. It's just that we kind of lose sight of that. Um, so right mindfulness. So this is developing awareness of the body, sensations, feelings, and states of mind. This is a getting to know yourself. Oh, I mean, 
how many times have you ended up like that whole going on holidays and then crashing and getting sick and stuff like that? Was it because you weren't paying attention (laughs) for the months leading up to that about what your body needed? Um, You know, we really have this opportunity. I think so many of us just accept certain symptoms that are, are actually just signals of something that your body is trying to tell you. And and it can be the most beautiful thing you can do to yourself. I mean, recently, I think I had I had been um, justifying a level of tiredness that I'd kind of normalized for myself, you know, grief, 2020 lockdowns, um, solo parenting, three kids, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and until I was like, I just don't think this is normal. I don't think I should get out of breath changing the sheets on my kid's bed. (laughs) Um, And I went and, you know, blood test revealed, you know, grossly anemic and that I needed an iron infusion stat. And my body had been telling me all the time, it's just that I had normalized it. I'd, you know, talked it away because of other things. We don't want to do that. We really want to honor our body. We want to honor what we're feeling you know, just being aware, being curious to it all. And then the eighth one is right concentration. So developing the mental focus necessary for this awareness, practicing meditation. And, you know, I'm so glad that a few years ago I started on that practice, very much a practice. Uh, But it is like, I mean, I sort of see now so much is mental. Wherever our head is at is kind of where we we are. And for me, what that practice developed was this chance to listen to myself, to quieten things down amongst the storm, this little moment that I have. And so I do it uh, in the morning when I wake up. I just put earphones in my ear and do a little meditation or self-hypnosis and it just centers me just gives me a moment to connect in and and it's just it's been a big part of me connecting back to myself once again so I wanted to I've used kind of (laughs) these frameworks to talk to you about this idea of attachment because I could have gone in in a million different directions uh, with this. But I felt like if I was explaining it from good old Buddha's point of view and it would give you somewhere to go if any of this resonates and you want to, you know, continue the path. A lot of this, a lot of this is what I do with with women. Um, And the, as I said, the Back to You program is such a simple, beautiful way to get started with this process. You could read the Buddhist teachings. I certainly didn't uh, at the time. It's only something, you know, once I discovered it, it seemed to explain a lot of what I was taking myself through and what had been bringing me back to peace. And uh, obviously, Ready for Change is a, a really big part of that like it's it's all about you know what you're choosing 
at a mental level for yourself. Live the change, dives deeper. And for anyone who has completed Live the Change and got access to those six core modules that I teach, the areas that totally changed my life, the the disciplines almost that I adhere to, there's much of it resonates with this. Like you'll hear things in this, but I guess I just have interpreted it in my own way. Um, it's certainly not a Buddhist program, um, but there's there's similarities. There's things that I've collected along the way that absolutely fit in here. Dropping attachment right now in my life is, um, you know, even just thinking about being in a new relationship and knowing that I'm not attached to it being a relationship for the rest of my life. I am here for it in the present. I am always checking in with myself to how it's feeling, to what needs to be said. Like, how am I responding in this situation? What am I getting curious to? What am I learning about myself through this? Uh, Is this helping me? Uh, Like, am I totally open and aware instead of, of like experiencing aversion, not really seeing what's going on? Is one of my is one of my biggest fears, I would say, actually in relationships, um, because I I felt like I I felt like I knew someone and I didn't. Um, so yeah, I mean we've all we've all got our stuff right, but I'm not atta- I'm 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 in it for growth. I feel you know it does it's not the source of my happiness i am <laughs> and i i lovingly detach from it being you know some sort of idea of relationship that i thought was a good idea in the first place you know we can be so much more open i think about attachment with my kids like i will do everything that i can everything within, you know, what is possible for me to create harmony, to have them feel loved, to support them. But I am not attached in any way to what they're going to be, what this ride might look like for them, what their choices are going to be. And that is a practice. Well, so I guess for you, I wonder how any of that resonated, whether you can hear through my sharing what you might be attached to that's causing you unnecessary suffering. And, you know, are you cultivating that happiness within yourself? Are you coming home to yourself? Do you have loving, compassionate conversations with yourself or are you just hard on yourself all the time? You attach to yourself being a certain way, to life looking a certain way, your house, your job, your family unit. Dropping that attachment, letting go is absolutely not super easy for many people, but sometimes it can be the most liberating thing that you will ever do. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. See you soon. 
Hey, thanks for listening to that episode. I definitely hope you enjoyed it. Now, I wanted to let you know that we have a bunch of free stuff available for you at the website. You can go to lisacorduff.com and check out my free stuff section and download something juicy to help you with your transformation. You can also go to our programs page where I have made available some never sold before workshops and a bunch of short courses to help you with things like creating extra time in your week, moving through your overwhelm, getting on top of your tech habits and getting unstuck. I'm here to help and you've got brand new ways for me to do that beyond this podcast. So go to lisacorduff.com and check it out. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode.